everybody. I'm Casey Forbes. And I'm Sarah Cuvion. And this is Let the Good Crimes Roll. And this week we are on part two of the Chandra Levy case. This episode was not as fun as last week's Mm -hmm. episode. Let's be honest. I thought the entire case was centered around the congressman. And it's not. And it's not. This he he's not a huge part of episode two. They focus elsewhere on this one. Okay, so before we dive into it, I'm gonna do some reminders because I forget to do this every week. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website, letthegoodcrimesroll.com, or you can email us at letthegoodcrimesroll.com at protonmail.com. And also we're gonna give a shout out to Java Mama. So if you are local and um, want to have a place to go get coffee or lunch, bring your kids, don't bring your kids. It's a really fun environment. We have a brand new menu. We have new guys in the kitchen who have created this awesome, like amazing menu. We've got some new flatbreads, which are my favorites right now. We also have like an enclosed play area for the kiddos. So if you ever are in the central area, stop by. It's located in Central Square. Yeah, on so Wax Road. So check out Java Mama and you'll be given to some good, and it's a local business, y'all. Mm-hmm. So. so we're covering Chandra Levy in American Murder Mystery. This is episode two, The Predator in the Park. You can find it um, on Investigation Discovery or Discovery Plus. I actually had come up with a name for it. Oh, I forgot for a second, but now here it is. It's, <laughs> what you doing in the bushes, Ingmar? <laughs> Get out the bushes, Ingmar. <laughs> How do you not look guilty? Oh, man. Hiding in the bushes ain't it. Seriously. <laughs> yes. So it's August 2001 and Chandra is still missing. Remember, she went missing in May of 2001. We spent an entire episode convincing ourselves that House of Representative um, Gary Condit was the reason for her disappearance because mm-hmm. we finally find out at the end of episode one, yes, she had an affair with him. Yeah. Big surprise. I know. Nobody was shocked at that revelation. According to Chandra's parents, she wouldn't just disappear without making contact. And their minds go to, well, did she have a schizophrenic break? There must be a reason she isn't turning up. I have to say, as parents, I think this would be the biggest, the worst nightmare imaginable. Oh, absolutely. Not being able to find your child at any age. absolutely, And knowing that there's no reason imaginable that they would not contact you. Right. I I can't even imagine. They seem to have the relationship where they they were somewhat close. Like, so not hearing from your daughter for that amount of time, not knowing what has happened. There's no trace of her. There's no rhyme or reason for it. It's got to be incredibly hard. Horrible. So we know that Chandra had an affair with Gary Condent that we know of. And we know he's being evasive. Police conduct a massive search, but there's no evidence indicating where she is. And they still have Chandra's computer, which remember it had crashed and they gave it to forensic technicians who were able to recover information off of Chandra's laptop. I have a question. Are you familiar with like computers? Because I don't like, is it just coincidence that they opened it and it just like corrupted and crashed and everything? I have like, no is clue. That, I, I is really that don't a common know. occurrence? Because I, I mean, probably in the early 2000s. Maybe so. That's true. I mean, today, we have such advanced security precautions on our that yeah. just come standard on our computers. Mm-hmm. But back in 2001, you watch a video, you know, and your true. computer explodes. That's true. Okay. Not that that ever happened, but you know. I was just like, is this supposed to be suspicious or <laughs> is this like something that really happened a lot? <laughs> I don't know. It is It is weird, the timing of it all. Right? Let's be honest. Just those, those 2001. Remember the uh, gateway computers yes, and all? Yes, I had. We, that's what we had. That's all we had. I was a kid. Was with Gateway. Is that the one that came in the cow box? Yep. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> she she probably did like the rest of us and was downloading music illegally oh, that's through LimeWire. Oh, LimeWire. And then oh, her computer man. exploded. Probably so. <laughs> for like really not now top that quality you say music. That, that is ex- I bet you that's exactly what happened. She just downloaded so. the wrong file. She downloaded some Celine Dion or some <laughs> Britney Spears and it just exploded. So the last thing that had been on her computer, it was on May 1st, 2001. That's the last day she was heard from. The experts were able to get in there and find out what she had searched right before she had last turned her computer off. This was a big deal. It shows what she was doing in the hours before her disappearance. The analysis finds that on May 1st, the day she was last heard from, Chandra logged onto the internet at 10.27 a.m. and visited several websites. They look at what she's been searching, and they discover on May 1st, among the sites she visited was Congressman Condit's homepage. But it's one of the last searches Chandra entered that piques investigators' interest. They found a search for the Pierce Klingle Mansion in Rock Creek Park. Uh, Chandra had searched for the Pierce Klingle Mansion in Rock Creek Park. So Rock Creek Park was about two miles away from her apartment, and it was a 2,000-acre woodland in the middle of Washington, D.C. And Pierce Klingle, make sure I said Klingle. That's I kept wanting to name. say Chris Kringle. <laughs> I know. The Chris Kringle Mansion, where Santa does all of his uh, shopping. It's a landmark in the park. Why was she re- searching this mansion and they made it seem like she was searching how to get there yeah was it for sale or is it just no a place it's just you a can landmark visit? okay yeah. they said it's a great place to say hey let's meet up at the at the mansion oh okay. if you're going for like a hike or something police searched that area but it's not the easiest area to search due to its rough terrain and it's the search produces nothing meanwhile the levies hire a private investigator named joe mccann and he's a former homicide detective turned pi which is my dream I think I'd be a great PI. You would. I think I would. I think the two of us together would be amazing. I know. We should do that. We'd probably get distracted, though. Like, (laughs) did you see what he took out the garbage can? I totally (laughs) missed it. God dog it. You were showing me that kitten video, and I missed all of it. Damn it. Joe sets up this 1-800 number uh, dedicated to gathering tips. And I feel like the next half of the show is just filler crap mm-hmm. because we kind of get told some of the rabbit holes we dive yeah. down and it they lead well, to nothing. I was so excited because when they introduced him, they're like, this is the first televised interview he's ever right. done. And I was like, oh, we're about to get like this the download. Big. And then it's just like these, he just tells us all the dead ends that he found right. basically. If I was uh, Chandra's parents, I'd be pissed. I I, that's all I'm going to say. Because he spends a lot of money chasing down some of these leads mm-hmm. that are just kind of ridiculous the whole time i kept thinking i was like i wonder how much this costs you know? oh it has to cost a lot because he's in washington dc yeah. um one of the tips was that chandra was pregnant and in california and a tipster said um that she had gotten involved with a gang in california because that sounds right this one particular night it's just me and my partner the 800 number rings we answer the phone There's a gentleman on the other end of the phone who doesn't want to give us his name, but he's got this story to tell about Chandra being in California. And as we listened to it, it did sound credible. So we started to focus on this. The tip relates to a simmering rumor that's been circulating. Soon after Chandra disappeared, Scuttlebutt suggested that she might have indeed been pregnant. Now, this was never substantiated, and no one knew who started the rumour, but forever it has long hovered over this most sordid case. 
While he is short on details, the tipster puts forth a bizarre and seemingly outrageous claim. He has first-hand knowledge that Chandra got involved with an unnamed gang in California. He said, you don't know who you're dealing with. These people will kill me. I can't get involved. My partner hung in there, and he finally got him to say, okay, come out and meet me. <laughs> Plausible. Jeez. <laughs> the tipster agrees to meet with P.I. Joe and he tells Joe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> now that I say it out loud. P.I. Joe. P.I. Joe. Yeah. He tells Joe he was hired to rent an RV and meet them in Nevada. He says he took Chandra on the RV to a nearby mountain. In the mountain, Chandra undergoes a pregnancy related procedure and dies, and they bury her in the desert. A pregnancy related procedure. Right. Like, was it an, so, was it an abortion? I mean, it was like, it a sonogram? What was it? In the desert? Yeah. And she died, so they buried her. Okay, all of this makes sense. <laughs> well, Joe is like, hmm, this doesn't really sound right. So, and I've like used the Levy's money to fly out here to California. So yeah. I might as well follow up on it. They agree to meet up the next day and by them, I mean P.I. Joe and the mm-hmm. tipster. But it gives them time to follow up on what the guy's saying. And he finds nothing to prove that the tipster is telling the truth. When they do meet up, Joe asks the tipster to prove that what he said was true. And the only thing, he, he pulls out like a wad of cash. By the end of the day, I'm convinced that this guy is telling a story. And it's not a very true story. So I go back to confront him. And I say to him, how much did these guys pay you to rent this van? He says they gave me $10,000. Well, I knew that this guy's not somebody who's going to have $2 on him. So I say to him, show me the money. And with that, this guy who's living in a little trailer breaks out a bag, and all I can see is the hundreds. There's thousands of dollars in there. How does a guy like that get this money? There must be something to this story. And he's like, well, there must be maybe a little bit of truth to it because this guy looks like he, you know, he drives a shitty car and he lives in a trailer. So where would he just have $10,000 cash? Like, you ever heard of a drug deal? Yeah. You know, they typically have cash on them. And continuing to follow up on the tipster story, Joe finds another source who says the tipster is a flim flam artist. This guy, who I met in California, is a flim flam artist. He was just looking for 15 minutes of fame. And if you could explain to me what a flim flam artist is, I'm not in sh- I'm not entirely sure what what that means. No, PI Joe, can we elaborate on what a flim flam artist yeah. is? I'm not. I'm is confused. that common knowledge, or is that just something we don't know? Because I think that must be um, a Yankee saying. Because <laughs> okay. down here in the South, I ain't never heard of a flim flam art. That's really hard to. My tongue's getting all twisted saying that. What does that even mean? Yeah, go on and Google it. Flim flam. I don't even think Google knows. Hold on. Someone who acts deceptively and try. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's an even- actual thing. It's someone who acts deceptively and tries to trick people. Holy guacamole! So it's not an artist of any kind. <laughs> A flim flam artist. That's just. I was like, what genre of art is this? <laughs> They like to use the... <laughs> like, is that some kind of graffiti artist? <laughs> <laughs> A graffiti? <laughs> is that... <laughs> I mean, he couldn't just say a con artist. <laughs> no, that's a commonly 
commonly used word. Why we gotta get all fancy with flim flam? Oh my gosh, she just uses a certain type of paintbrush. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't go that far. I was thinking maybe a con artist. <laughs> A no, flim clear, flam artist. Clearly, that's where you were supposed to go. My my mind just I was like, oh, what kind of what kind of paint do they use? And the fact that you actually found uh, a definition for it, well, where have we been? Clearly, we are just sheltered. Maybe so. I'm gonna start using that. No, he was just a flim flam artist. That don't even sound southern. <laughs> Well, we find out that the tipster was actually, in fact, paid by a newspaper for his story. And that's why he had the cash on him. Uh, it was all just a big waste of time. Yeah. How do you send that invoice to the I ladies? Know. You know, that's horrible. Like Here, we found we just nothing. Paid all these thousands of dollars for this big waste of time. Exactly. It'll be uh, and how horrible. Like five thousand dollars. The newspaper to just pay him to do that. That's horrible. It, it's just an example of how in, like the interest was in the case, and that the media coverage was just around the clock. But everything changed on September eleventh, two thousand and one. Once the twin towers fell. Once the Pentagon was breached, once the plane crashed in Pennsylvania, everyone's attention was diverted. I came to the quick realization that the story about Chandra Levy is no longer a story. Reporters like myself stopped paying attention altogether because now we were at war and what was the loss of one child in that scope of things. We didn't get the media attention anymore and there go a lot of the leads. So things start to dry up. The country was now in a war, and the case of Chandra Levy was yesterday's news. Now, that's uh, according to board reporter Michael. <laughs> yeah. Because the way he says it, it's like, well, that's kind of cold. He's like, we just immediately quit reporting on it because it was no longer a story. It was no longer relevant. Like, you're garbage. Okay. It is still a story, but I understand because we remember the time. It was pretty yeah. awful during that time. Yeah. The D.C. police also changed their focus to stopping terror attacks and finding... Chandra, and the case just went cold. So it's one year after Chandra was last seen. It's May of 2002. And a man and his dog are walking through Rock Creek Park, and they find a human skull. So he calls 911. And the 911 dispatcher is all of us. Yeah, hi. My name's uh, Phil Palmer. <laughs> I was walking my dog in the woods this morning, and I came across a human skull. Sure? Uh, absolutely. I don't know anything else that looks like it. Are you sure? <laughs> and the caller goes, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is a human skull. Can you maybe come out here and just check? I'm not, you know, do you think we could try and check this out? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. When the when the operator said, are you sure? I'm like, <laughs> are you having a bad day at work? That's something I do at <laughs> something I do at work anyway. So police arrive and they seal off the area. While searching the area, police find clothing items and other personal effects, including black running tights that are inside out and knotted, which is very suspicious. Yeah. As Diane would say, very suspicious very indeed. Suspicious. The skull is brought to the medical examiner and through dental records, they do prove that it is Chandra's skull. So did they initially, they just found the skull? My understanding is they did find, they, they were covered other- bones right. yeah but they i do remember them saying like they were scattered because it had yeah. been so long and they said when the wildlife wildlife kind of scatters things so it was right i didn't know if initially they had found the other remains too or if that was a little bit later they make it sound like they did find them but it wasn't i mean i think initially they just found the skull right. that's my understanding of it the levies were notified that their daughter had been found and
And as much as Chandra that could be recovered was recovered ultimately. Time and the elements make it incredibly difficult to determine how Chandra died. How horrible is that? As a parent, like, you don't get to see your child's face again. Like, you know, you think of this abstract term like, oh, the remains were brought home, but... Mm -hmm. What is her mom going to do with just, you know, she doesn't get to see her baby the way she was. And that's that's what's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times funerals help give you that closure. Yeah, they really do. They really do. So, uh, yeah, that would be really, really. Can you imagine? Oh, we just found a skull. No, no. I mean, that would be horrible. There were also other items found out there. Um, there was like sunglasses, the running pants. Chandra's manner of death is ruled a homicide, which is weird to me because they say it's a homicide, but they also say they can't determine her cause of death. So, I mean, obviously it, it has to be a homicide, but there's no definitive proof mm-hmm. from what we can see, except for that her jogging pants were turned inside out and they were tied in a knot. Mm-hmm. Which obviously a wolf's not going to do that. You know what I mean? Right. It's just kind of bizarre to me that it was. I would. I would think it'd be like ruled inconclusive because right. you can't really prove her manner of death. Exactly. So I mean, because that's what happened to Kaylee Anthony, the little girl that was mm-hmm. found. They couldn't prove how she died. I mean, that's how Casey Anthony mm-hmm. got away with it. They couldn't prove how she died. Right. right. Was it murder? Was it neglect? Was it mm-hmm. something else? We just don't know. So for them to rule this a homicide to me is kind of it's a bit on the strange side mm-hmm. in my opinion but so investigators wonder if the crime crime scene can provide information regarding Chandra's murder so they call in Dr. Kim Rosmo a geographic profiler Rosmo conducts a holistic examination of criminal activity in Rock Creek Park for me one of the most important early questions was how common are these attacks in Rock Creek Park We took a look at the data from the Parks Police about their crimes in the 18-month period leading up to there, and it was very clear that crimes of this nature were just so rare. But Rosmo discovers some intriguing incidents. We saw two attacks on female joggers in the short time period following Levy's disappearance. Rosmo researched how common these attacks were in the area, and he learns that they're not common at all except for two other attacks. And by in the area, like in the park. So he mm-hmm. looks at the park as a total, and he looks to see, were there any other attacks in this area? And there were two, and both of those attacks were female joggers around the same time that Chandra went missing. The first attack was a woman who was just jogging through the park and there was a Latino man that started following her and he caught up to her. He did attack her. Now she took her self-defense classes. Yeah. And when they said that, I was like, I really need to sign up for a self-defense class. Like just me and Liv. Just some, somebody's butt. So somehow like to, for me, it's like, I think I would, I think I would just panic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like freeze. I worry that I would just freeze. I think that's what's. So we need to get yeah. some of our guys to practice on us and jump out from behind <laughs> bushes so that we don't panic. I'd pee on myself. Joey would be like, what the hell, Casey? You're not supposed to pee on yourself. You're not supposed to just freeze up like this. You don't do the fainting goat. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what I would be. Just like freeze up and fall over. That's the only way, though, that we can like overcome this. Mm -hmm. 
We need we need the guys to like scare us and jump out and see how we react. Do you know uh, me and Liv? We were playing around a laser tag one time, and I was chasing this girl. On this other team who I did not know. I literally saw her go around a corner. And when I ran around the corner, I knew she was there. And she still scared the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you shoot her? Well, I think I almost beat on myself a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so we need practice, girl. Clearly. We need practice for when, if we were to get a tag. (laughs) And then, okay, so let's talk about the second jogger. She's jogging with her fiance and he leaves her. You know, out in a wooded so area. Pissed. I would have been so... I might have called off the wedding for that. I could see Derek doing that. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> so her, her fiancé just keeps going and leaves her behind. Yeah. And again, she's being followed by a young Latino guy. But he actually has a knife. Because the first time that girl right. whipped his ass. Yeah. So and this there, time he brought a was, knife. Yeah, there was no mention of any weapons of any kind in the first attack. No. I wonder if it was like a, a well-publicized incident, that first attack. Like, did these two joggers know that there had been an attack in I don't know. In the same park? Because if they had and he still went ahead, I'd be really pissed. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm just, like, whatever. You knew there fine. was a man in these yeah. woods attacking women. Yeah. And you still had and to show went, what a fast runner you he were. He went, like, far ahead. Because clearly well, yeah. he couldn't hear anything that was happening this, on this attack. Because she was screaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking the whole time. I was like... You're such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you know he felt horrible. I know. You know he felt terrible. He's made up. He's still making up. Yeah, for that. he was so far ahead of her that she got attacked, escaped, and called the police before she ever found the fiance. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you know when the dishes are in the sink. Yeah. She's like, you remember that time you left me <laughs> in the woods with and a I man? I was assaulted. Yeah. You at knife point, you didn't even stay behind to make How sure. How about I was you safe? take out the trash today? Exactly, <laughs> Dick. So she was attacked and she also was able to get away, mm-hmm. which makes me think I'm happy she got away, yeah. but he must not be that strong. I was going to say, maybe he's not very good at it. Well, she goes and she finds someone and reports this. And uh, the title of this comes from this because they find him in the bushes, like duck down. Park police immediately respond and search the surrounding area. This is a second attack in six weeks. The park police are worried. They search all the ravines, everywhere off the jogging tracks. And they finally find a young Hispanic man crouched in the bushes, hiding. Police arrest the suspect and bring him in for questioning. This man is Igmar Guandique, a Salvadoran native who had come to the United States illegally. How do you look guilty without looking <laughs> guilty? That's all I have to say. You go hide in some bushes. Golly. We find out that the guy is a man by the name of Ingmar Guandique, and he is from El Salvador. He came to the U.S. illegally. Ingmar claims he was jogging in the woods and collided with a woman. That's his story. I accidentally tripped. and just fell into her. I mm. fell on top of her. My knife came out yeah, and went to her that neck. Happened. That's why she was able to escape. Okay. <laughs> Both joggers ID Ingmar as their attacker, and he is found guilty of attempted robbery, which I didn't understand. How about attempted assault? Yeah. He's sentenced to 10 years in prison. So that brings us back to Dr. Kim and our question of, was Ingmar involved in Chandra's murder? It happened around the same time in the same area. It definitely made uh, Ingmar look like a suspect. It Mm -hmm. needed to be investigated. Police interview associates of Ingmar and put together a timeline of his whereabouts. In January of 2000, he was 18 years old. Don't you hear that? And you're like, God, he must be so old. But in 2000, we were like 16. Yeah. 
That's I was true. 16, you were 15. Yeah. So mm. obviously yeah. we're about his age. That's really depressing. <laughs> he was in El Salvador. His family was very poor and his goal was to come to the U.S., find work and send it back to his family. He actually, they give his route and it's pretty incredible to me the route in which he came. Mm-hmm. And I know people do it all the time. That's that's really far. Yeah. You know, he went from El Salvador. He went through Mexico. He went all the way up to Houston. And then from Houston, he traveled to Washington, D.C. And That's then he, a long way. Well, you wonder, why did he go to D.C.? I'm yeah. just, what was it about there? You think maybe he'd have stayed in, like, Houston? I or, wonder if that was where he wanted to end up, or he just happened to be there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he, that's, he did the Forrest Gump, and that's just where he ran yeah. out of steam. <laughs> I think I'll go home now. Yep. Except he decided to stay there. So at first, he was actually pretty successful from what we find out. I mean, he was making money. He was Mm -hmm. finding work. But then he got involved in drinking and drugs. Yeah. And that kind of led him down a spiral that he just couldn't get out of. Yeah. Guandique's girlfriend tells journalists that he was incredibly violent. And his landlord tells police that in May of 2001, around the time Chandra disappeared, she noticed he had scratches and bruises on his face. And it was so bad that the landlord actually asked him what happened. He said he got into a fight with his girlfriend. My question is, how the hell do you remember that? I don't remember what happened yesterday. Or or I can remember events, but I don't remember their existence. Exact dates. Maybe it just didn't sit right with her. Maybe so. She's like, mm, she's probably, or the landlord's probably like, maybe I should take note of this if there's like a domestic disturbance or something like that. Thinking if it was, in fact, the girlfriend who That's did the, the damage. She went and wrote it down yeah, in the calendar. Maybe so. We also find out that Ingmar did not go to work on specifically May 1st, which was the last day that Chandra was seen. Mm-hmm. And that was the day that her computer said she was looking for that mansion. Right. So investigators interview Ingmar and he denies having anything to do with Chandra's murder. Ingmar takes a polygraph test and passes... Except Ingmar doesn't speak English very well and a translator was used and they say that could have skewed the results. Right. So I'm like, why so, give him one in the yeah, first place? Yeah, like why, why do that? That makes no sense. There's still not enough evidence to link Ingmar to Chandra. So again, the investigation goes cold. Do they have like any physical evidence of, of any kind from like the remains or anything? No. So there have, is absolutely nothing, nothing to link Ingmar to this so, murder. Well, even, even not even like Ingmar, but just like in general, is there... Uh-uh. Other than the the knotted tights, no, is there anything other than that? There's to suggest? no DNA. No, no. There's That's nothing. Crazy. It's just crazy. Another spec uh, suspect comes up. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with him because it's just yeah. kind of a, it's a, a guy named 26. A guy named Albert Cook. He's 26 years old. He lives in Maryland. We know that he's mentally disabled. Not that that is a pass for what he did, but Albert was convicted of inappropriately touching a woman at a shopping center. And when police picked him up in 2001, he confessed to a murder in Rock Creek Park. It was a 48-year-old woman. He admitting admitted to grabbing, torturing, raping, and left her to die in the park. I mean, he basically beat her to death. Mm-hmm. And this did happen around the time that Chandra went missing. So it kind of made them look at him. But basically, further investigation, where this happened with this woman, the 48-year-old, it was close to his house. Mm-hmm. Chandra was found 10 miles away. It just wasn't plausible that this guy had the cognitive ability to do all of this and leave her up there. That's according yeah. to police. So, they said he was like uh, intellectually yeah. like, disabled or, yeah. or something like that. So he had some they, cognitive yeah. disabilities. So yeah. they just didn't think that was likely that he could 
yeah. accomplish that from that far away from his house. They yeah. don't really go into detail about what his... There has to be other things that kind of... Because yeah. he was completely cleared. Right. I mean, he's spending the rest of his life in jail. Yeah. yeah. But he was cleared of, of this particular one. So it's five years later. It's 2008 when the Washington Post does an in-depth series about Chandra's murder. One of the authors of this article, which... Y'all, let's not brag about ourselves. (laughs) Keith Alexander, he's like... I'm Keith Alexander, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter with the Washington Post. My name is Keith Alexander. I am a Pulitzer Prize winning (laughs) journalist. Like, (laughs) you could have just told... Y'all could have told the narrator to say that. Yeah, exactly. He just had to, like... He had (laughs) to include that in in there. But you know what? If I won, like, the Nobel Peace Prize, that's how I would introduce myself to everybody. Hello, I'm Nobel Laureate. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Nobel Peace Prize winner Casey Forbes. How are you? Thank you. And then, like, if someone says Casey, no, it's Nobel Peace Prize winner, Casey <laughs> Forbes. Maybe so. I don't know. I just thought it was funny. He included that in there. It's like, mm, okay. <laughs> the Post points out that three months after Chandra's disappearance, police did conduct a search in the area close to where Chandra was ultimately found. But the parameter wasn't wide enough. And that's why it took them 10 months to find her. Yeah. That's a big deal. Because the initial investigation, they were just uh, searching, like, an X amount of distance off of the roadways Mm -hmm. they didn't inspect the trails that were off of the roadways and which is ultimately where she was yeah her remains were found so they said that what if if they had done that search properly they could have found her like what 10 months earlier yeah and there could have been evidence that could have pointed to what happened and who killed her yeah you just kind of wonder why stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's just the odds are just and then she does get found which is crazy to me like where was that damn dog 10 months ago where you what you just kind of wonder like so if a dog found her then why wouldn't like a dog find her before you know because i would think her the smell of her body know. decomposing would be pretty significant you know if a dog's going to be attracted to it what attracted it to a skull yeah, i'm trying to like rationalize why the dog w- maybe they didn't call a dog in to begin with who knows so. the post pointed the finger to ingmar the post was saying the washington post was saying they believe that ingmar guandike is the one that did it mm-hmm. they discovered a woman who had come forward and said she saw Ingmar in the park the morning Chandra disappeared and even ran away from him because she thought Ingmar was going to attack her. And the other craziest thing that I don't know how this slipped through the cracks was another bombshell is that years earlier when Guandique was arrested, he was shown a flyer of the then missing Chandra Levy. He said, oh yeah, I saw her in the park and she's attractive. Here's the worst part. Unbelievably, Park Police never communicated that information to Metro Police who were working Chandra Levy's disappearance. They had no idea. So Mm -hmm. that links him technically in some way to her. Mm -hmm. He admitted to seeing her. That puts him at the scene of the crime. Yeah. On the day. So the Washington Post 13 part series made the D.C. police look pretty incompetent. And it puts pressure on the police to solve the case. Mm -hmm. After all of these years, it just reignited a fire. The clock was also ticking because Ingmar's current sentence was running out. And once he completed that sentence, he was going to be deported to El Salvador. Right. And not to say they couldn't prosecute him, but I mean, he's just going to go to El Salvador and disappear. Let's Mm -hmm. be honest about it. Amanda Haynes was assigned to be the prosecutor 
prosecutor of the Chandra Levy case. She's the woman they gave all their hardest cases to. So if anybody yeah. could get him convicted, it was they her. They said she's incredibly competent. She has a way of connecting with the juries. So And she had some serious early 2000s hair. Mm-hmm. It I was mean, nice. That Remember how we used to would cut it short and we'd do like that sweet home Alabama style where we yes. just flip it out at the bottom? Oh, yes. I still think that's a cute haircut. I still have, like, I have my straightener from way back when. I can still do it if I wanted. Exactly. <laughs> Investigators go to the jail cell where Ingmar stays and they notice there's a picture of Chandra Levy on his wall right by his bed and they notice that there's a tattoo on his chest that is oddly similar to that of Miss Chandra Levy. Mm-hmm. So what is his obsession with her? It's just right. weird. Police just, they're just so desperate to figure this out. They decide to pose as a woman writing him love letters trying to get him <laughs> to confess in writing. It doesn't work. So the case just goes cold because again there's no direct evidence linking Ingmar to this. Mm-hmm. And then it's a few years later and we have a guy by the name of Armando Morales who was Ingmar's cellmate in Kentucky in 2006 that came forward. Armando Morales is a Fresno, California native a lifetime criminal with a long record of violent crimes guns, drugs and so on. He was a cellmate of Ingmar Guandique in Kentucky in 2006. Armando Morales and Ingmar Guandique belong to a, a similar gang affiliation. And as a result, they consider themselves brothers. They were honest with each other. They looked out for each other in prison. They talked about everything together. According to Armando Morales, one of the things they talked about was the whole Chandra Levy case. Morales tells prosecutors that Guandique revealed his darkest secret. He said that Guandique confessed to him that he killed Chandra Levy. Morales claims Guandique admitted to the crime to avoid becoming a victim himself. Rapists in prison are often targeted for rapes themselves. The reason why he opened up, according to Amanda Morales, was he was afraid that the rumor was spread that he had actually raped and killed Chandra Levy. And so he wanted to make it very clear to Armando Morales that he did not rape Chandra Levy, that he only killed her. That's the reason that Armando said that he confessed to him that he did not rape her. He simply murdered her, oh. which saying that well, is geez. like, what? You 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 didn't rape her. You All I you did was kill her. her. So, okay, well, there, there, that just puts the case like on exactly. blast. Except I don't. Y'all, I just don't trust jailhouse informants. You ha- I guess you have to be careful with them because typically don't doesn't law enforcement like offer them like, oh, a they reduced get sentence out of or it. they get something out of it, which to I me mean, it's I would be like, okay, I'm if he confessed that good, can you get it on tape? Yeah. Can we set you up to where you get him on tape saying yeah. this? Because I just don't trust Yeah. I don't know. They they there's more to this story we'll learn about in the next episode, but with Armando as their lead witness Ingmar is officially charged with Chandra Levy's murder, and that's how the episode ends. Mm. We have one more episode to go. Yeah, I haven't seen the third one. I don't like to watch ahead when we do yeah. these because I feel like it would color my thinking. But so you're you're ahead of me on this one. Yeah, yeah. I have do more you, time on do my you hands. Feel, <laughs> do you feel like you Easy like girl. the way, not like the way it ends, but do you... Were you surprised at how it turned I, out? I just or? have more questions and answers. Okay. I think it's very odd that she was involved with the congressman. Mm-hmm. I don't... That could just straight up be karma. It mm-hmm. should could be just karmic blast that, that maybe she was jogging through this 
park and he attacked her. Right. It went too far. He killed her, I left just, her there. I wonder, and don't tell me yes or no. I'm just wondering if there's ever like a connection that whether we know or not in the next episode, a connection between, what's his you name? You wonder. Was uh, Gary Condit. Gary Condit, but the other. And the, Ingmar. Ingmar. I was going to say Is there Ignacio. a connection between the two? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be some shit, huh? And that's what that's... I was wondering. Like, cause you know, he has an alibi, of course. Right. We hear his alibi is rock solid. He was with the vice president during the meetings and he was right. at a doctor's appointment. That doesn't mean that he couldn't hire somebody. Or that he's not involved in that some way. That he's not involved. You just now, I wonder. I'm just, this is pure speculation. Still haven't seen the third episode, so I don't know for sure, but I do have some questions. Stay tuned and we'll find out in the okay. next episode in, in the finale okay we say finale <laughs> i to me it ends and you just have more questions right. and answers because in the next episode we really remember how at the end of the last episode we were talking to gary's ex-best friend and driver mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i thought he was in this episode he wasn't he's gonna be in the next episode okay so okay. we'll get to that one as well so we get to meet all of our characters again all right but that's it for this episode so all y'all right. tune in next week if you if you've gotten this far and you're confused as hell it's because you didn't last <laughs> listen to the last episode <laughs> Thanks for jumping around know, right? <laughs> to part one. But Sarah, so you have any other announcements to make or uh, anything like that? No, I don't think so. I don't um, think so either. I don't know. If you guys have any comments, go to our Facebook page and, and leave us some questions or, or any answers to our questions that you may have. Um, if you're more <laughs> if you're more literate in computer crashing or, or flim flam artists, then, <laughs> then <laughs> if, you, you can, if you've heard of a flim flam artist. <laughs> maybe you can set the record straight for us. Can you but... <laughs> give us a backstory on that? I'm just so confused. <laughs> I'm just yeah. That's not even a fun word to say. No, it sounds too close to flim. I know, you know, (laughs) flim flim. I wonder if that is like flim, like (laughs) yeah, which is not a fun thing to say. Anywho, thanks for joining us this week, guys. We had fun, and we will catch up with y'all next week. See you later.